To the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. We're alive. Let's talk about Frankenstein, the first entry in our James Whale January series. going to talk about Frankenstein. This is the 1931 horror movie starring Boris Karloff based on the novel by Mary Shelley. This is the second adaptation of Frankenstein. The first one was a 1910 silent film which is only about 10 minutes long and I believe only uh, uh, only adapts the part where Frankenstein the monster is um, created. By lightning. Right. And this I think... One. Go ahead. And the fact you just said Frankenstein the monster. Clearly, for the sake of simplicity, the monster has since become Frankenstein. Yes. And the doctor has become Dr. Frankenstein. Well, there's Dr. Frankenstein, and then there's like... Frankenstein. Yeah. Or a Frankenstein. Yeah. Sure. There could be multiple Frankensteins. Yeah, there's like a whole bunch... Is, is a plural Frankenstein Frankensteins? Yeah. Okay. We're good, being attacked by Frankenstein's. Okay, that makes sense. Also, I think you're a little bit wrong there. It was adapted from the book by Mrs. Percy Shelley. Oh yeah, sure. And a a truly horrifying display of sexism or something. <laughs> Maybe just ignorance. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they said that. I was like, just banging on the fact that Percy Shelley would be somehow more yeah recognizable than Mary Shelley. I was like, wait a minute, is Mary Shelley like a pet name? Was her real name Percy Shelley? Well, I mean, Percy... Yeah, then I was like, oh, that's your husband. I mean, Shelley is famous. Percy Shelley is famous. Yeah. But not... Mary Shelley famous. Yeah, no longer is he more famous than his wife, I would say. Perhaps during their lifetime, he was more famous than his wife. Maybe. What did he even do? He was a... He's a very famous romantic poet. Oh, okay. Still still studied. A contemporary and a leader of that movement, but... The fact that... I mean, Mary Shelley is definitely more famous now and Frankenstein is more famous like obviously since you don't even know you didn't even really know that what Percy Shelley was I realized um, it I remembered after the fact yeah after I said that but oh yeah. no no I remembered the day of the day of yeah yeah I was just caught off at first yeah well but certainly certainly I can't I can't off the top of my head think of a single play that I mean a single poem that he wrote so um but everyone knows Frankenstein but that's yeah so that's besides the fact yeah and everyone knows Frankenstein because of mainly because of this movie, I would say. Yeah. Maybe, especially because of the image of Frankenstein created in this movie. Yeah, certainly. Which which bears little resemblance to the novel. Um, now, 
in the 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 book covers prior to this movie, Frankenstein was generally depicted as sort of like a like a eight or nine foot tall muscle man with long flowing hair. Oh, like kind of uh, like a hunk. Yeah, and no, well, yeah, and no, not really a grotesquery like this movie puts him as. Although certainly the book, the book's actual description of him is like somewhere in between those two things, like a grotesque hunk. Yeah, a grotesque hunk exactly. And in the novel, uh, he only briefly is sort of a mute, mute childlike character. By the by, like his second or third appearance, the monster is quoting Milton, and. Uh, fully aware of the situation so he got downgraded a little for the movie yeah he definitely got downgraded a little i mean it's it's, it's for the simplicity's sake i suppose yeah fitting it all into that that 76 minute runtime they have to hit um, so what did you think of frankenstein frankenstein i think was the first sort of through and through good movie that i've watched okay i rather enjoyed frankenstein yeah like it's for for one it doesn't have John Harker in it. Yeah, there is there is a dumb-looking romantic character. But he's kind of, like, off to the side, and yep. he's not really a romantic character because he's just kind of... He's kind of in love with, like, his brother's wife a little. But nothing ever comes of it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's the brother of Frankenstein, but they're, like, buds. But his name was Frankenstein, I thought. Uh, I believe it was Victor Moritz. Oh. For some reason I thought it was Victor Frankenstein. Anyway, yeah. he's some guy. Oh yeah, that well that would that would explain your confusion because his name is Victor, <laughs> but the, and that's from, from in the novel Frankenstein's name is Victor, but in this his name is Henry. Maybe I'm just all confused. Yeah, well now I'm sure I've helped you be more confused. Anyway, yeah, he doesn't do very do very much though. He does he's not the protagonist. He doesn't step up to save the day in the way a John Harker character usually does. By being a big doof like being a big doof and like oh no I slipped on this banana peel and tripped into Frankenstein and knocked him over a ledge yep um yeah so the movie is mainly about uh Henry Frankenstein yes played by Colin Clive he of the strange hands of the Redfield right nope no that's Igor that's Fritz. Fritz. Yes. yes. Fritz, Igor but, is... But the Igor character. Yes. Igor is Bella Lugosi, and that comes later. Um, but yeah. Yep. Mainly about uh, the mad Dr. Frankenstein. And also about intentional or unintentional social commentary. How so? I'm not sure. Well, it paints... Well, first, it, but the movie paints Frankenstein as very sympathetic. Yeah, it does. Like, extremely so. And to the point where the mob, who is at that typically the point in the movie and the role they're playing, the person the audience is supposed to be rooting for, seems as, like, almost wholly evil and something mm-hmm. to be afraid of. Like, you know, when they're running through the streets, the everyone's, like, af- they're, like, pushing themselves back to the wall and they're afraid of, like, this torch-wielding mob. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And that that's to do with two things, I think. First off, is Carlos's performance as the, as the as the creature. Yeah, he comes off as more scared and confused. Yep. And sort of trying to survive. He does a, he does a great job with this role. Uh, I mean, obviously, he doesn't have a ton to do, but he does he does manage, he does come he does do a very good job of coming across as sympathetic. Yeah. And uh, innocent, you know, without really being able to talk. 
Um, and the second thing I, that I think uh, you're referring to is um, sort of a signature of James Whale, the director, signature of his style, which is um, uh, in his movies you'll always find that that's sort of like a, a theme that he keeps coming back to is the, the people are small-minded, um, especially people in small towns are small-minded and um, driven by uh, paranoia and fear and, and all the wrong emotions. And you'll see that in the Invisible Man, and you'll see that in the Bride of Frankenstein. I yeah, I just looked at his IMDb page, and I saw he wrote he, that he directed the Invisible Man and the Bride of Frankenstein. I got really excited for the Invisible Man, even more so. Yep, and also the Old Dark House, which is I think his second best movie after the Bride of Frankenstein. It kind of it defies the sort of trappings of the genre at the time. It seems. Yeah, I mean, you'll notice that although. Um, Although uh, Elizabeth is menaced by the monster, it's not really in the same way. No, he's not actively menacing her. He's menacing her because he's a big, lumbering monster, and he doesn't yeah. intend to menace anyone. Well, that's a, that's an interesting point. It, that's an interesting idea. Is this is now is this, the other movies are definitely horror movies, but not all of them really are monster movies. But this is definitely a monster movie. Yeah, I mean, is Dracula a monster movie? Would you say? Sort of. I mean, he's. Con- I guess it depends. He yeah. depends how much he's stretched from a monster. He's not like a wolf man or anything. <laughs> well, no. No no one's calling him a wolf man. <laughs> he's not a swamp thing. He's not a swamp thing. Like he's, he's not a King Kong. Right. He's not like, a, he's... He's not like a monster. He is, for all his purpose, a person with supernatural powers. But he's a person. A person with the ability to turn to smoke or fog or a swarm of flies or bat. Yeah, but that bat looked really bad. Yeah, and you never see him turn into mist. So uh, in the new uh, in the Dracula 3D that just came out, Dario Argento's Dracula. Yeah, Dracula turns into a giant praying mantis and murders a guy. Is is that the same one as the big Dracula fist? The big Dracula fist? No, wait, that's like Dracula Untold or something. Oh yeah, I have. Oh, okay, that, so there is a newer Dracula. Sure, I haven't seen that one, and I probably won't. No, but, you probably um, shouldn't. The uh, no, Dar- you know who Dario Argento is. He directed uh, Suspiria. No. He's an Italian director of uh, Giallos. I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly, but that's a, that's a, those are Italian horror movies. Hit their stride in the '70s. All right. But yeah, he he made a Dracula, and it was it was crazy. It's a crazy one. But Frankenstein. Back to Frankenstein. Back to Frankenstein. Back, back to, um, yeah, Frankenstein. It was just good. Like. Some of the people are kind of okay, you know? Well, it's got uh, Mr. Uh, Van, Van Helsing in it again. As the elderly doctor? Yeah, as the German do- Germanic doctor of... Uh... Good brains and bad brains? Yeah. And he was just kind of going through the same, ro- like, same routine. He does, he does his thing, you know? <laughs> He's like, I deliver my lines like I am a scientist, man. And then I exit the scene. Well, he died. He gets murdered at this one. Which is pleasant. Yeah. It's, well, it's know, good that he gets killed. That's because he that, kept... He was he was sedating a man and keeping him tied to a bed and was going to dissect him. Yeah, well, I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you kill him to survive? Or why wouldn't you want to dissect the Frankenstein man? Well, both of those things, I suppose, are... I, you know, I can see it from both sides, Andrew. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, try, I try to see all sides of the problem. 
Um, because I uh, watched the trailer after this fact to see if like that was just me seeing that or if that was the movie's intention. And the movie is very mu- the trailer very much pitches this movie as a traditional monster movie. Yeah, it's like guard your women, be careful with your children. The monster, the Frankenstein's monster, is coming to get them. Well, I mean, let's not forget the core conceit of the Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, which is that a bunch of body parts are stitched together. Yeah. And reanimated. I mean, that is a monster. around. But. It, it, it's, it's a monster and it's an extremely, uh, it's a, not ex- extremely, it's probably overstating it, but, uh, it's certainly a, a morbid idea. Yeah. But it also taps into the kind of fundamental story that I like of, of humanity and what makes someone a human. Mm-hmm. So you, do you think it's flesh and lightning? Well, it could be anything. Is it flesh and lightning? Is it like lines of code? Is it just being born a human? The, the, like the fundamental question of what is humanity? Mm-hmm. And at what point do you start, stop treating people like... In the, when, in the way... And while these movies are all sort of like... Some of them come off as like extremely racist. This one is almost anti-racist. It's almost a message of tolerance. Hmm. Well, or maybe, that's certainly a new reading. That's where I pulled the. Well, I mean, in the way it portrays the mob as not as a vicious okay. creature. Because because the the mob is because because the way the movie portrays intolerance. Right. It portrays yeah. it as, okay. like a horrific thing. Sure. Against something I'll, I'll, which was never against a creature who was never really portrayed as malicious, but rather misunderstood. Well, I mean, he was. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, he did drown the little girl. But he, he didn't mean to, and he almost, and he like immediately regretted it. Dracula yeah. never regretted biting any of those ladies. Well, he might have regretted it, but he didn't really. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't show it. He wasn't as emo as the monster, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe he wrote it in his journal later, but he, the audience was never made aware of the fact. Hmm. Also, the scene where his dad was carrying a little girl like through the street was a very... That was a good scene. That was a strong scene. Yes, that was a strong scene. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a real argument that James Whale's probably the best director of these horror movies. He's definitely the best one I've seen so far. He's... I mean, I, th- I think there's a legitimate argument for... Uh... For him, and this is a legitimate argument for Fritz Lang, and this is a legitimate argument for Edgar Ulmer, although you don't, apparently don't uh, hold him in the same regard as the other two, because... Was he White Zombie? He is Black Cat. Oh, Black Cat, yeah. I mean, Black, Black Cat was probably the best one to this point. Yeah. Yeah, so this movie, I mean, this movie has him going for it, and also has... Uh, one of the, the probably the best actor in these movies, Boris Karloff, and it has a pretty strong supporting cast. Right. Uh, well, in Colin Clive and Dwight Fry. Yeah. Not sure about um, <laughs> the rest of them. Van Helsing or yeah, in, in the father or whatever. Well, I mean, as long as he didn't open his mouth, he was fine. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I mean, the comic relief, the necess- necessity of that's another thing that James Will does. That's one of the things that. Always turns me off on James Bond a little bit, which is the uh, obsession with the comic relief stuff. Yeah, he seems to want to shoehorn a lot of comedy into these movies. Well, you know, that's how you win the audience over. You gotta give them laughs before you give Giggle, them giggles and gasps. Giggles, giggles and gasps, laughs and leers, spooks and snickers, spooks and snickers.
Yeah. Blackhead also had it's poor movie. It had that John Harker problem. Just like don't put that character in your movie, and your movie becomes like ten times better. Cause well, I, in that movie, he I think he's 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 all right. I I think that well not not yeah. so much I, his performance is a little bit better definitely, but it's almost like the character is it's almost like the movie is aware of how useless that character is in the Black Cat. But they still give him screen time. They do. I mean, they let him talk. That's just probably too much. They give him the same. They give him the same kind of. Yeah, you, I mean, you can satirize something, but then you can't just do the exact same thing because then you kind of you you ruin the yeah. point of your own satire. Well, in that movie, like he's treated by like Karloff and Lugosi as like a big dumb idiot. Yeah, especially Karloff. Well, I mean, he is a big dumb idiot, <laughs> and basically all he does is get dumped in a. Dumped in a prison cell and, and shoots Bella Gossi for no reason. Well, he looked pretty menacing. He always looked kind of menacing. Yeah, I mean, sure. And I like... Okay, so this is like the moment, because at the beginning, Karloff was... The monster was question mark. Yep. And then at the end, he was like... And when they do like, the credit's so nice, we brought back the cast again. Yep. At which point, they introduced him as Boris Karloff. So is this the turning point where Karloff kind of takes over? Like, did he, as what? As, like, as the guy? Yeah, as the dude? Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is really only the second one, and it's already, yes, Karloff takes over. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but, like, they offered, they first offered Lugosi... Frankenstein, um, yeah. Dr. Frankenstein. Oh. And then they were like, no, no, no. We need you to play the monster. Uh, and you have to be... The makeup takes six hours to apply, and it's very painful. And you don't get any lines. And he was like, I have played Dracula on Broadway... And I was in a huge hit movie called Dracula recently. <laughs> and I don't see why I should have to do this. I'm going to decline. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we'll give it to this other weird-looking guy. And then that weird-looking guy took your job. Yep. And didn't he play Frankenstein, the, the monster in one of the sequels? Belagosi? Belagosi? Yeah. Yeah, he played, well, he's, he's Igor in Son of Frankenstein. And then I believe through some sort of... Um, plot convolution they put Igor's brain into Frankenstein and that makes him look like Igor so he plays okay. what else he does eventually end up playing Frankenstein he doesn't do the makeup though but he more he, or less plays the same character he no he he plays the monster oh, he like, does the makeup. the makeup and everything yeah it looks it looks like they it looks like Frankenstein I don't I mean I don't know if they they probably uh, I don't think it was Jack Pierce doing the makeup still so I think they reduced the ordeal of it yeah but yeah, he was. He eventually did have to put the makeup on and walk around and groan and moan. So he did not win. <laughs> no, he didn't. Well, I mean, he lost like his... he lost a lot. Yeah, he didn't get to be Lugosi. Like Karloff became Karloff. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 uh, he was probably fine with that at the time. I don't think he. I think he wanted to play a variety of things. Yeah, he didn't just want to be monsters and madmen. But if that's if that's all the shooting. Yeah. And that's all you got. It's a complicated thing, you know, he was buried in his cape. Right. And that I mean that's he struggled with he struggled with being Dracula his whole life. You know, the typecasting. Yeah that he embraced it and he also hated it. Yeah, sometimes you gotta get paid, sometimes Yep. You kinda get stuck so if you stop getting paid for that thing and then you don't get paid at all. So we, we have, uh, we're going to watch two more Frankenstein movies. What? Two more? 
Yeah, two more. Bride of Frankenstein. Bride and the Sun. Okay. The Sun being the last chronologically of any of these movies that we're going to watch. It came out in 1939. Because that's what, because you can't go much further because then you'd be into the 40s. Yeah, when then then it's like every combination of Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and whatever you need to do. Wolf- Abbott or Costello meet Frankenstein, etc. Wolfman so, pajama party. Wolfman pajama party. <laughs> Whatever absurd thing they make up. Ah. Uh. Yeah, so what do you think of Dwight Fry in this movie? Dwight Fry, he was, which one was he? He plays Fritz. Fritz? Oh, also right, that, that's Dwight Fry. I don't know any of these people's names, so I kind of forget them. He does, he does good. He's not as good as he is in Dracula. Though. No, no, well, I mean, they don't give him the opportunity to be as good as he was in Dracula. Hmm. With the Dracula, they give him a bigger part. Yeah. They give him more to work with. They give him more, like, a bigger character to act. But he does act... He acts like a we- like a feeble hunchback sufficiently without making it kind of weird. And kind of, like, overly pathetic. Mm-hmm. And he physically acts it fine enough. With- he doesn't, like, exaggerate it. Like, he's not, like, doing weird, undulating hump-like walks. <laughs> but he should be. Um, so real quick, the best scene in this movie is probably, if no, well, I guess it could be the scene where, um, he carries the girl into the, the village, but also has the very famous scene, the It's Alive scene. Yeah, it is very good. Yeah. It's a, uh, exciting, like Tesla coils, all that stuff. His delivery, which is a very strong delivery. Yeah. Very, like, iconic sound. I've heard it more than once before. Like in other mm-hmm. in other things, I might have even heard it sampled in rap albums. Okay, it's a, like it's it's a good sounding voice. Like, yeah. Now, do you, do you recognize Colin Clive from Mad Love? The guy with the big murder hands. Big hands, big murder. I hands. mean, I don't recognize. I look at these guys, and most of them look the same to me. Huh. But yeah, yeah. So I guess I don't because they all kind of look the same to me. <laughs> okay. Hmm. All right. All right. I suppose that's enough to talk about Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, we can talk more about Colin Clive and other stuff uh, in Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Because a lot of the a lot of the same people are in Bride of Frankenstein, except for the bad actors. They're all not in Bride of oh, Frankenstein. That's good. He, I think they gave him a little more freedom and they let him put a good cast in. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Andrew and I talk about Frankenstein. You can check out our website, www.goldenagehorror.com, for more information for show notes or for articles. I just wrote an article this week about the symbolist movement in horror films. And I have articles up about James Whale and Boris Karloff already. My ebook, All Godless Here, is available on Amazon. I'm working on a second right now about silent horror films. If you want, go to our website and sign up for our mailing list to find out when a new episode, article, or book will be released. 
You can also get your updates via the Facebook page at facebook.com slash allgodthisyear if you prefer. Andrew's website is www.pizzapranks.com. You can find him on Twitter. His handle is Pizza Pranks. My Twitter is The Water Method. Theme music is Swan Lake Dub by Dubology. Tune in next week. We're going to talk about The Bride of Frankenstein. Thanks again for listening.